Dirty Paper Project, Dirty Paper Podcast. All right, Dirty Paper Podcasters, I want to welcome you back. Now, if this is your first episode and this is the first time you're checking in with us, I would like to ask that you go back and begin with episode one, part one, to ensure that you're getting everything and you're getting all the content. I want to welcome you to the Dirty Paper Project and the Dirty Paper Podcast. This is episode three, part one, the Military Equal Opportunity Office. You know, I've watched my life pass and go a million times and still here I sit and and I'm not sure whether that's in fear of the unknown or maybe the probability and fulfillment of purpose that I'm not particularly sure of but what I can tell you is that for the last 16 years I've been stuck in this repetitive cycle and I've been stuck in 2006 because I've been replaying these events over and over and over in my head replaying them thinking of ways I could have done things differently I could have said things differently but then I think to myself What could I have really done differently? Help perpetuate the lie or took the fall? Either way, it would have been the same fucking outcome, correct? Besides all that, in these days, people like me, we just don't get the luxury and the benefit of doubt. We have to be on point at all times and double the standard and then be above all that. And I think about a pivotal moment when I thought that seeking remediation would have kind of clarified or made it a point where both sides could talk out the situation. And I see this moment really, really clear because I really thought that the Military Equal Opportunity Office was going to help out in talking about these services and and what it takes to even muster up the courage to go and seek such services. Because you know, like I know, when seeking uh, remediation through a complaints process, it's almost like going to talk to God because people are so in fear of this process and having to go through this process and being called out or singled out for going to talk to these people and all the energy that it takes. So talking specifically about the laws surrounding, specifically speaking about the Air Force and the integrity of this service and how that relates to this event. Wow. I mean, so much of this and so far in between episodes one and two, you know, have been about the inventory and the events surrounding the inventory. And then in episode two, we talked about the EPR from 2005 and 2006 and the things leading up to it. But what I want to do for this episode is I want to take the EPR off the table for the moment, because, I mean, if we boil it all down, it'd be my word against theirs. So taking the EPR off the table for the moment and let's just keep the events of the inventory and the protected statement to the investigator in focus and we just put a pin in the EPR for the moment and we're going to hold that right there and we'll come back to that because if you remember our project or thesis statement is how much does the commander know and now we're getting into the realm of knowledge of facts pertaining to official misconduct and cover-up now The legal definition of official misconduct really doesn't fit into a military term, so to speak. But for now, let's just throw it all under the umbrella of corruption. So we talk about corruption or misconduct expressly in an official status, such as a commander. There are three things that kind of need to take place. Number one, knowledge of fact, you know, the state of mind of the commander or mens rea as it relates to the commander's position or office. Number two, if they commit an act in retaliation to their office, you know, or compose or uh, constitute an illegal activity exercised in the official capacity or function of their office and knowing that such an act is unauthorized is illegal. And number three, 
they knowingly refrain from performing a duty which is imposed upon them by federal law or mandate and it is clearly inherent to the nature or duty of their office, such as the commander. And this is what's called official misconduct or for civilian, a class A misdemeanor. But get down into the specifics and how much does the commander know. Military branches, they have a book and it's called Military Commanders in the Law. And it's given to every commander in all services and I'm pretty sure it's specific to each service, but the Air Force has one and they have different sections, such as one called legal issues, specific to commanders. And it talks about, you know, personal liability of commanders and stuff that they can't do or can't do in the scope of their duties or responsibilities. It also discusses how they can be represented by the Department of Justice for lawsuits brought against them for acts they commit in the scope of their duties. Now, here's the caveat, if, if, they commit those acts and it does not violate federal statutes. Also in this book, in chapter 10, it talks about civil law rights and the protections of military members. In this chapter, it talks about the inspector general complaints process. It talks about sexual harassment, rights to financial responsibility, but most of all, it talks about military equal opportunity, which in itself is composed of statutes, which we just referred to. And it talks about things like Title 12 of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, the Equal Employment Opportunity Act of 1972, the Rehabilitation Act of 1973, Age Discrimination 1978, the Civil Rights Act of 1971. Almost all of these laws apply to civilian employees as victims, which is another caveat, which means that most of these acts do not cover military members and it does not describe them as victims. But military members are protected throughout DOD and Air Force through anti-discriminatory policies, through what's called a perforicated system. And basically what that is is just that there's two systems for military members and one for civilians. But see, military members are limited in the presentation of their complaint. And that means that they can only complain all the way up to the executive branch of the Air Force, basically the secretary of the Air Force, while civilians have the right to file their complaint all the way up to the secretary of the Air Force, also can have their complaint heard in federal court. And that's after exhausting the dispute remedies or dispute processes throughout the Air Force or the executive branch of the Air Force. Most of these acts do not apply to service members. Air Force has its own policy for Air Force members, and basically it states that Air Force members should be able to conduct their affairs free of unlawful or arbitrary discrimination, and that commanders must take the appropriate administrative or disciplinary actions to eliminate or neutralize discrimination and its effects as it relates to good order and discipline. In addition to this, the Military Equal Opportunity Office serves as the focal point for complaints resolution or complaints of discrimination for military members. By nature of the complaint, it also determines which agency will conduct the investigation. For example, if you present a case about a senior official like a colonel or a colonel select, it must go directly to the Secretary of the Air Force. Now, complaints of sexual assault, such as rape or child abuse, must immediately be referred to the Staff Judge Advocate's Office. 
to determine whether it should be referred for criminal investigation. So in other words, base level military equal opportunity officers are to investigate complaints of discrimination. Now, just for knowledge of fact, if you present your complaint to the military equal opportunity office, they're supposed to document your complaint on an Air Force Form 1581. And this is basically just to clarify that your formal complaint is supported by a preponderance of evidence. And there's that word again, the 51% rule. And as you know, the 51% rule just refers to the level of evidence. And the staff judge advocate has a definition for this, which basically says that it was more likely to have happened than not in reaching the 51% rule. That said, the Military Equal Opportunity Office also can refer a complaint to any office to include the staff judge advocate, mental health, or the inspector general, which we will discuss more in detail in episodes six and seven. But for now, let us continue to discuss the Military Equal Opportunity Office. And if you remember, in episode one, I discussed the issues surrounding the mismanagement of the computer equipment inventory. In addition to that, I also discussed the protected statement I made to the investigators during reports of survey investigation 06075, where I unknowingly became a whistleblower. In addition to that, I also discussed what I assumed was discrimination, but we now know was reprisal. And briefly, definition of reprisal, and it occurs when a responsible management official threatens to take an unfavorable personnel action by either withholding or threatening to withhold a favorable action to retaliate against a member of the armed forces for making or preparing to make a protected statement. When we're talking about those actions and how those actions will affect you, these are actions that will ultimately have an effect or have the potential effect on a member's career for making or preparing to make a protected statement. So according to AFI 51-604 and AFI 38-101, which identifies authorized representatives of protected communications, which amongst the names includes the Inspector General and the Military Equal Opportunity Office. As it relates to this discussion and concerning official misconduct and the framework of reprisal, which is a subset of abuse of authority. And abuse of authority means arbitrary or capricious exercise of power that adversely affects the rights of any person or results in the personal gain or gives the advantage to the abuser. I know you remember in episode two where we discussed arbitrary and caprice as it relates to our project thesis or statement or project question, how much does the commander know? And specifically talking about arbitrary and capricious, it is defined as the willful and unreasonable action or actions being taken without consideration or in disregard of the facts. And in this case, we're talking about reprisal. Therefore, moving back to the beginning of this episode where we discuss the term official misconduct and the Air Force describes this as arbitrary or capricious. Now, as we close out episode three, part one, where we discuss official misconduct and the definition of it as it is described in the Air Force's version of the military commander's handbook, which relates to knowledge of fact or wanton acts of reprisal as it pertains to my protected statement. So, I'm, I mean, I guess you're asking yourself, why are you telling us all of this information? For what and to what purpose? You see, if I would have known all of these facts before I went to EEO, I would have known 
what particular outcome to expect. I would have known what laws and things to apply to me, especially given the evidentiary standard. But to see going in and not knowing the evidentiary standard, I just didn't know how to articulate it. So with that being said, the reason why I'm giving you all the specifics of the law up front so that when we move into the actual case and you actually hear me giving him the evidence verbally, you'll understand why the outcome is so much more tragic. So please tune in to part two of episode three, where we go into depth as we discuss the protected statement made to the Military Equal Opportunity Office. Until then, I want to thank you for tuning in. I want to thank you for subscribing. Be safe. Dirty Paper Project, Dirty Paper Podcast.